0: Well, good morning, everybody. It is great to be here with you this morning at Fremont Community Church. To all those who are in person with us, all those joining us online. Uh, if you're new around here, my name is Eric. And on behalf of all of our, uh, our pastors here at FCC, I just want to say welcome. We're really glad that you're here. We'd love to connect with you, help you figure out uh, what your next steps in connecting with Christ are. Um, I want to start off this morning with some prayer, uh, just some things that God has put on my heart this morning to pray over um, and then we're going to dive into a sermon with, with two Dougs. We're going to have appearances by two different Dugs in this sermon. I think that's a record. So let's pray. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, Lord, we do thank you that we can be here today. Um, we thank you Lord for, um, for rain and sunshine this morning. Um, God, we thank you for the ways that you remind us of your presence and, um, God, I just, I, I think of, of, of the last few weeks and all that's been going on in the news and how overwhelming it can be and, um. And how close to home some of these mass shootings have been here in California. And um, news footage released of of, of a, a young man's life ended by by police. And, uh, and I think of all the things that are changing in the world and how disorienting that can be for all of us. And I just, it, honestly, Lord, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming when we think of all the pain that's out there. All the things that we keep seeing that are out there. And, and Lord, honestly, it makes me... If I'm honest, it makes us want to retreat and, and find some sort of safety or sense of safety. It makes us want to just uh, <laughs> to live in fear and uh, try to avoid these hardships and pains. And yet, here we are in this series. You're calling us not to retreat, not to hide, but to go and bless, to go and be the presence of Christ where, wherever it is you've called us. And so, Lord, as we we mourn these things that are happening, we weep with those who weep and we cry, Lord, how long, how long is this going to continue? And at the same time, we don't do this without hope. We know that you are a healer. You know that you comfort those who mourn. We know that you have new life that is breaking through all around us. God, help us... uh, (laughs) to break our addiction to social media and to news and to, to think that the world is totally falling apart because we hear about every bad thing as soon as it happens everywhere. And Instead, help us to be present wherever it is we live, wherever it is we go to school, wherever it is we, we work, wherever it is that you have placed us. God, help us to be present in those places, focused more on the lives that you have entrusted us with to love and to show your love to God, help us to balance all of this. It is so hard. It's so hard to figure out our place in this, what we're supposed to do, what we're supposed to think. Just speak to us, Lord, and give us your comfort. We need it. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, um, we're going to continue this discipleship pathway conversation we've been having. And uh, last week, I shared with you some, some news about our, our friend Doug Ingebretson. He's been a pastor here at FCC for a long time. And uh, I wanted him to share in person with you uh, what's going on in his life and his next steps of faith. So I'm going to invite Doug up right now. Let's welcome him as he takes the stage. You can grab that mic there, Doug. And, uh,
1: hey, this is appropriate, but where's the waves?
0: Yes. What kind of shore? Yeah, that's,
1: what is that, Lake dog <laughs> That's good. Sorry. So,
0: yeah, Doug, I just wanted to invite you to share, like, what, what God has been speaking yeah. to you in this season and what that means for your next step of life. And honestly, I'd love to hear your perspective on what, how, how does this relate to this discipleship pathway stuff we're awesome. talking about? Awesome. Okay,
1: time. well, I'll just read you the letter, though. So, Eric, Pastor Eric read this last week, um, and then it was sent out on email um, this week. And it just says this, Dear FCC family. I have had three months to feel refreshed and sense the Lord's leading to release myself from Fremont Community Church after 28 years, somewhere around there. This next season I will focus on supporting my wife, my beautiful wife, in her role as Bay Area Director of Foster the City. Super cool what God is doing and raising up foster families and churches all over the Bay Area. It's awesome, all over California. Um, But I will continue to substitute teach at the high schools and the junior highs in Fremont. Um, Super passionate. I have passion to help public school teachers be ministers on campus, not just Sunday, check it off the list, but they have access to their kids. So I am looking and praying for divine appointments with Christian teachers on campuses, no matter what church they go to, and just pitch a vision and say, look, you can, you can change the lives of these kids. It's more just reading, writing, and, write and r- arithmetic. All right, I'm off script. Hello. <laughs> this next season, I want to focus on living on mission, as Pastor Eric is saying. Absolutely. I love the fact that we want to be a church on mission, and that's where I, my mission field are these campuses in Fremont. Also, the Fremont Skate Park as well. I haven't been there lately. It's been windy and rainy, but we'll get back out there. <laughs> uh, so these next, uh, So these past three months, I took a sabbatical starting October 1st. And then it ended at the end of the year. God affirmed my call as what I I call myself a missionary pastor. Even yesterday, I attended like a Young Life Area function. I'm like, I just want to pray over people and pastor them and love them. Um, You know, because I feel like I'm kind of at that stage in my life. So I feel like I'm a missionary pastor. And God's call is still on my life. And I had a real profound experience with Jesus. Um, In October, I was at a cabin. My wife said, go away for a week. She got me a cabin at Mount Hermon. It was awesome. I didn't have any phone. It was really, really hard to just be alone with myself. It was tough. But God spoke. He was like, he spoke loudly. And he brought me to Isaiah 6, 8. And it says this, after this, I heard the Lord ask, is there someone I could send Who will go on our behalf? And I believe in this. This is the Trinity. This is the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit hanging out together in this beautiful relationship. They're like, who will go on behalf? And then Isaiah said, I'll go. Send me. So Fremont Community Church will still be my church home. Absolutely. I'm still here to listen, to love, encourage, pray. I love. I really want to push into more intercessory gifts. God always tells me, Doug, you have not because you ask not. Mm -hmm. So I am like I want to be a man of prayer, and I will still be praying, and in the lives of some of your students, I will see them on campus, and still praying, of course, so that's kind of where I'm at, so I don't know, like, my wife is, she's full-time with Foster the City. I, you guys, I'm cooking soups. I'm like, my dad's like, oh, this is what happens in your 50s. I'm like, dude, my wife is in like this gear of overdrive, and I'm like, I'll pick up the kids. Well I'll kind of see what they're doing in school. Oh, a recipe! So, <laughs> it's it's trouble. It's I'm just like I've it's a whole new world. Yeah. So, so okay, yeah. Decide, yeah. Yeah. But, Missional living. I'm in, dude. I'm in. Dude, I, I'll be your gopher. Wait, he's gopher, the, he's guinea the, pig,
0: gu- guinea pig. He's the guinea pig. Guine- I like no, that. we're I like all that. we're
1: no. all. I'm right there with you guys out living on mission.
0: What What excites me about this is that. Um, We talked about this a bunch, that it would be easy for Doug to do what he's always done um, and and to just kind of ignore the the tap on the shoulder that he's getting from Jesus, um, to to go and take some risks and do something new. It is easy to coast through life uh, and do what is familiar. And what I'm so excited about is, Doug, is truly in this season being an example for all of us. Even as I preach today out of this passage of Scripture where Jesus calls these disciples to follow him, it would have been so easy for them to say, I'm good. We got a good thing going here. I know this life. And instead saying, I think what you have is better, Jesus, and I'm willing mm. to follow that's you right. there. And that's, that's why right. I'm so grateful for this man and for, for the example that he's setting for our church. And I know he's wrestled over it because he loves yeah. this church, but oh, yeah. the beautiful thing is he's still here. Yeah, His family's still a part of this church. And so I want to just pray over mm. Doug and the Ingebretson family. And if you would join me in doing mm. that, um, that would be awesome. And he's a handsy guy, so I got to get my hand on. Him. No, uh, <laughs> uh, Lord Jesus, thank you for Doug. Thank you for the the many years of of his serving here at Fremont Community Church in a staff role. Uh, thank you for his uh, his life as a, a ministry, um, his, his his marriage uh, that has you know been on display here. Uh, his 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 parenting, his uh, pastoring of youth, his. His, his desire to be out in the community because that's where you've called him. God, thank you for all of that. Thank you for the way he's blessed us. Thank you for the ways that you've blessed his family. Um, and I pray, Lord, over them this next season, would you um, continue to bless the work through Foster the City that, that Christy gets to be a part of and just equipping. Uh, families and churches uh, to take kids into to their homes and into their hearts and to show them the love of Jesus in this most needed way. God, yeah. God, we pray for uh, for Doug as he as he goes out to these places that there's question marks. There's no program in place. There's no easy way to do this other than just being present and listening to you and listening to people. God. I pray that you'd bring people along that would partner with him. I pray that you'd bring people along who would uh, sense what you're up to and that we would see expressions of church on public school campuses. We'd see expressions of church at the skate park in Fremont that we would see your kingdom breaking through in ways that we can't here on this campus. Lord, let this movement burst out of these four walls and become something bigger. Uh, All of this land, not just this church building, everything here is yours. And we want to see it uh, recognize you. We want to see each person be blessed and come to know you. And so, Lord, I pray this over Doug. I pray this over our church. And uh, as we go forward together in a different way of partnering, uh, God, we are grateful. And, and we say thank you, God. And we say send us. Send us, Lord. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Doug. Thank you, Doug. Uh, Thank you, Doug, for, for, um, for sharing this morning. Thank you, Ingram for uh, your par- partnership in ministry and your friendship as well. Uh, this is what Discipleship Pathway is all about. Um, that's what I love about all of this. Is this is a part of what God is doing here at FCC. And if you've been here for the first two weeks of Discipleship Pathway, I'll do a quick quick recap. If you haven't, uh, you'll get this recap too. But I'd love for you to go online and rewatch the sermons for the last two weeks. If we introduced Discipleship Pathway, Discipleship Pathway is simply this: it's steps that we take to follow Jesus on mission. Steps that we take to follow Jesus on mission. And, and so we've got a little visual of it. It's five circles. And and because it's really hard to read text if it's stacked on each other, the five circles seem separate, but they're not. They're layers of this discipleship pathway. And and you see those circles there. The first one is prayer and fasting, extraordinary prayer and fasting. Uh, And that's what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. We're going to continue to talk a little bit about that today. uh, And we're going to talk about that um, uh, as we go on, because it's step one, but we never move on from step one. Prayer and fasting has to be a part of everything we do if we want to see God move in powerful ways. Uh, step two is living as missionaries, and that's where we're going to kind of kick off. We're, if, if today were uh, on that chart, it would be the arrow between step one and two. That's where we're kind of today, is in this, this, this step from prayer and fasting to living as missionaries. Now, you had that question in the community time earlier of, of what, what comes to mind when you hear the word missionary? And we're going to get into that in a minute, but for many, it's this mystical thing to live as a missionary is, is something that's, that's out of reach for the average Christian. It's something that only special people can do. And I want to kind of spend the next three weeks doing a couple things. One, debunking that, not that missionaries aren't special, uh, but that, that, that it's for some other special kinds of Christians, right? Uh, and then we're going to talk about what steps do we take in order to do this. And I promise you, these steps that we are asking you to take are things that anyone who says, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, can do. Okay, this week we, we had a DBS. I know our youth were in this DBS. We had a Zoom DBS. Some of your life groups were doing this together. Your missional communities were doing this together. And this is from Luke 5, verse 1 through 12. And DBS stands for Discovery Bible Study. It's our, our way of studying the Bible here. And it's our way of kind of preaching through these messages as well. So this is Jesus, he has uh, just kind of started his public ministry, the chapter before, he's in the temple, and he reads the scroll of Isaiah, that talks about how that God is going to break through, and, and, and he's going to do something new, and it's going to look like good news to the poor, and freedom for the prisoner, and healing for the sick, and then he rolls up the scroll and he says, today in your presence, in my, Jesus says, in my presence, this scripture has been fulfilled. He starts his public ministry, and then the next chapter, here's what we get. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, this is also known as the Sea of Galilee, it's an interchangeable thing, uh, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He, sat at the, uh, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, one be, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all day, all night, and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. And so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And so they pulled their boats up on the shore Left everything and followed him. When we do Discovery Bible Study, we answer a series of questions. And the the first question as we dig into the text is always this What does this teach us about God? What does this teach us about Jesus? What does this teach us about his plan? And what it teaches us, the primary thing I hope that we can see today, is that Jesus works through presence. Jesus works through presence. And there's some, some, uh, some notes that you can take if, you, if you've got a, a place to write these things down or put them in your notes app. I would write this down. Jesus works through presence. Jesus enters Simon Peter's world. And, and, and he enters the world of fishing, right? This is what Peter is, is an expert at. He doesn't call him from afar, but he actually enters his boat, his work, his place of deep importance He steps into Peter's context. And this is always how Jesus did ministry. He did it by his presence. And what happens? Apart from Jesus, no fish. With Jesus, too many fish almost. His presence brings things that are impossible otherwise. The presence of Jesus allows things that are impossible otherwise. Jesus tells Peter to do What he couldn't do before, Peter's sort of like, all right, I know you're kind of like the boss around here, like he's got respect for Jesus, he knows he's a rabbi and he's supposed to listen to him. He's like, I guess I'll do it. You said to do it, I'll do it. And then boom, fish. Overwhelming catch. You see what's going on here is we're called to be fishers of people, we're called to make disciples. Just like we we talked about in these first two weeks, we are incapable of saving anyone. We are incapable of bringing new life to people who, who feel spiritually dead and apart from God. What we're being called to do in the discipleship pathway is to pray, to listen for Jesus. He'll call us to do something that's truly impossible for us, but when we say, okay, when we have enough faith to say, okay, we will try, Jesus, he can do the impossible. Jesus works through his presence, and in his presence, the impossible becomes possible. It's all about his presence. You you think there was something about Jesus' presence that day that made them go, yeah, I'll leave my boat. Yeah, I'll leave my nets. I'll leave my, my livelihood. I will leave even my family to go follow you wherever it is you want me to go. There's something about the presence of Jesus that makes people go, I don't know where this is going to go, but I know I need to go. You see, this is a bit of a crazy story. Let's put it in its context. I, I want to make sure that like, you don't freak out. Um, if you're a fisherman, you don't have to give up fishing. Uh, maybe, maybe, we'll see. Um, but what's important to know about this is that all uh, Jewish young men would have gone through a certain amount of religious education. And up to a certain point, they would have potentially been chosen to be uh, disciples of a rabbi, a local rabbi. And they would go wherever that rabbi went. They would do whatever that rabbi did, and they would learn from him. They would would learn how to, to pray for people. They would learn how to understand God's word and teach other people. Peter, James, and John are fishermen because they were rejects in this system. When it got time to choose disciples, no rabbi chose them. And they decided then to go into this trade, likely uh, the family trade, the family business, and they've got this partnership, this business that they run together. So, so to just start following a rabbi out of the blue isn't quite as crazy as it sounds for you and for me, but it's still pretty magnificent. It's still pretty powerful that they leave behind their boats. We're gonna get more into that in a minute. Jesus works through his presence. And we're going to talk about how do we practice that presence as we go. The second question we ask in DBS is, what does this teach us about people and specifically me? If this passage is true, then what what must I change? And this begins our conversation on what it means to be a missionary. Can you remember the first time you ever heard about a missionary? The first time you ever heard about what a missionary did or was whether you read about it in a book or you met somebody? I, the first time I ever heard about a missionary, because I didn't grow up in the church, this was a kind of a foreign concept for me, I heard about um, my wife's, uh, her parents' friends who they'd known since high school who were missionaries in Cameroon. Um, that's on the other side of the earth, right? That, that to me spoke like this, how could they do that? How could they leave everything that was comfortable to them? They grew up in the same city as, as I did. They they went to the same high school as I did, however many years earlier, and yet something happened in their lives where they said, we will follow Jesus to the other side of the world. And in my mind, these are spiritual giants. These are are, are superheroes of the faith. They're special. And and there's two things that happens with that. One, sometimes when we think in those terms, um, we, we doubt the power of God in our own lives. God can do that through them, but they can't do that through me. And yet scripture is full of examples where God takes the least expected person to do the most incredible thing. The other thing that happens when we we over-glorify missionaries is that we let ourselves off the hook. Well, that's not my calling, so I don't have to do this, 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 or this. Well, this passage today Shows that to be a follower of Jesus, to be a disciple of Jesus, like these first ones he called and everyone he's called after that, are to be fishers of people. We have a missionary calling on our lives. And and partly we need to redefine maybe what missionary work is so that we can understand how that, that can play out for each one of us. But let's not let ourselves off the hook. To be a disciple of Jesus, to be a follower of Jesus means we have a calling a calling to work with Jesus and with others to draw people to Christ. That's a part of who we are. If you say you're a follower of Jesus, fishing term, you're not off the hook. I don't know how to fish, so these metaphors aren't great for me. I mean, I sort of do, but not really well. Over the years, you know, my perspective has changed on that. Um, We're gonna hear from some of our missionaries in a couple of weeks so that they can share this from their own uh, examples and stories. They are incredible people because they had the faith to say, whatever you call us to do, Jesus, we will do. And they took that step of faith. But when they share with you their lives and what they do on a daily basis, I think it'll be a little bit demystified for you. Some of the the people that I've known over the years who have been just the most committed to missionary work, you ask them what their day-to-day life is like, they say something like, well, I get up. I go to work, you know, I get my kids ready for school, I eat meals with my neighbors, and I pray a lot. That was one of the common things, I pray a lot. No, rarely have I ever talked to a missionary that's like, yeah, I get up every day and I go and put a soapbox on the corner and I just shout to anyone who will listen, the end is near, put your faith in Jesus. Like, I don't know any missionaries that do that, but I know a lot of missionaries that have planted themselves in a different context and every day, In the mundane realities of everyday life, they're faithful to pray and pray and pray. And they share meals with neighbors and they look for opportunities to bless and to to, to share. They stay present to where God has called them. They build relationships. They wait sometimes years for opportunities to share the gospel. They depend on the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit to make things happen around them and they've just said yes I'll participate. I'll go where you want me to go. Essentially, missionaries are called to do exactly what we are called to do. They're called to go somewhere far away to do it, but we're called to do it right here in the mundane, everyday, day-to-day life with a heart to partner God and to extend his presence. The Holy Spirit's presence, God's presence in our life isn't just so that we can have a one-on-one connection, with God, and so that we can extend that presence so that others will know. So what does this look like? What does it look like to extend his presence in the day-to-day, mundane, ordinary context of our life? Well, for that, I wanna invite Doug number two, not in importance, just in order, Uh, Doug number two to the stage. And Doug Chun is going to share with us a story of how that everyday living life with eyes open to what God is doing actually uh, came to his doorstep this year. So grab that mic, Doug, and come share with us. And he's going to read from the scroll of Isaiah. No. Uh... (laughs)
2: <laughs> okay, so I'm Doug number two. If there's <laughs> another Doug out there, we could have a 3 dug night.
0: <laughs> Come on. Oh, well. Come on.
2: And, Pastor, I, I do know how to fish. Okay. <laughs> so one of the privileges I have is being a, a grandpa. Um, is I get to read stories to my grandchildren. And I have a two-and-a-half-year-old, and, a half year old, and that's, that's one of my cherished joys of reading stories to her. So uh, Pastor asked that I could uh, maybe read you a story, so I'm going to do that <laughs> right now. Let's see. Okay. So... <clears throat> <laughs> Subtle, subtle. There you go. Okay, this story is called A Knock on the Door at Midnight. It's Christmas Eve. I was settling in and getting ready for bed, anticipating a, a family gathering the next day. Christmas. Then the dogs uh, began barking. Someone was at the front door, all the noise and chatter. I sprang to my feet to see what was the matter. <laughs> I peered out the side window when what to my wondering eyes should appear but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer? Santa? No. There was a tall, slim man at my doorstep my neighbor, Charlie, a retired senior citizen who lives around the corner and down the street. Charlie, don't you know what time it is? It's past midnight on Christmas Eve. (laughs) Seeing the desperation on his face, I knew it was something serious. What happened? I locked the bedroom door and I can't get it open. well i'm not a locksmith but hold on let's go take a look you see charlie is one of the neighbors that we have been praying for when i walked upstairs and saw his wife sitting in the front of the in front of the bedroom door i knew someone was in serious trouble (laughs) i locked the door i don't know where the key is probably inside the dresser drawer great don't you have a spare key, and why is there an exterior door lock on an interior door? <laughs> I don't know where this <clears throat> I don't know where the spare key could be, and these are the lock sets that the contractor put in. Well, maybe we can cut a hole in the door, or we can call a 24/7 locksmith, but it won't be cheap. It's Christmas Eve) <laughs> Charlie said, Well, maybe I can climb up a ladder and go through a window. <laughs> no, no, his wife said, You can't do that. The windows are locked. I guess we'll need to call a locksmith. Well, let me take a closer look. Maybe we can pry open the door jamb. Let me go and fetch some tools. Hey, where did Charlie go? So as I walk outside, I see Charlie climbing on an extension ladder in the dark of the night. Charlie, get down from there. Don't you know the leading cause of injury to us seniors? Okay, you're right. I'm going to get my tools and see if we can get the door open. Be right back. After getting the right tools, I was able to pry a piece of the jam and shove a scraper in to release the latch and pop the door open. Yay! (laughs) A marriage
0: saved!
2: (laughs) Or at least, no one's sleeping in the doghouse tonight. (laughs) So in spite of my initial reticence, God did open a door and allow me to engage with my neighbor Mm. in an extraordinary way. I think of Jesus, who spent most of his life as a carpenter, building and fixing things for people. Many of the most profound encounters started with meeting the ordering needs of people to learn how to fish, to be fed, to be healed. And he met those needs in extraordinary ways. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come to him, I will sup with him and he with me. Revelations 3.20. So as we continue down this discipleship pathway, I encourage you all to prayer walk your neighborhood. Yeah. You don't expect a midnight knock on the door, <laughs> but look for the doors that, let the, door, that the Lord will open that yeah. just may bring our neighbors one step closer to Christ. Thank you. Thanks, Doug.
0: Thank you, Doug. I love that. I love the props, too. Go Niners. Um, So much of that came with spiritual preparation, right? To be a missionary is not to kick down the doors of people's houses and say, put your faith in Jesus. It's to pray and to pray and to pray. And that came from prayer walking the neighborhood and praying for Charlie by name as, as Doug and Cindy walked through the neighborhood. And instead of being annoyed on Christmas Eve when the neighbor needed help, it was going, this is exactly why God put me here to be a neighbor. To love as I have been loved. To help as I have been helped. In this tangible, practical way. What it is, is it's extending the presence of God like we talked about before. And that happens in in three kind of movements. Three kind of movements of becoming present to what God is doing around us. The first is that we are present to God in prayer. Doug and Cindy made themselves available to their neighbors by praying. God, what are you doing in this neighborhood? What needs can be met? What dinners can we host? Whose house do you want us to receive hospitality in? Whose house should we be eating dinner at? God, how do you want us to to be neighbors in this place. Asking those questions through prayer over and over again until God opens the door and an opportunity arose for them to show the love of Jesus. We become present to God through prayer, asking him questions. What do you want to see happen here, Lord? What, what do you want to do in this place? We've introduced this idea of prayer walks. And, and, and when, when you're going on prayer walks, we're saying, God, I believe you are at work in this place. Open my eyes to see what you're doing and what you're calling me to. It's just asking those questions over and over and over again. And if you have trouble walking, yeah, that's okay. The suggestion that I gave a couple of weeks ago was, hey, think of the people who live this way. Turn that direction in your house. Pray for them. And do 360 degrees of that, praying for the people that God has put around you. Or at work. You know, pray for the people that are there in your midst, in your day-to-day life, praying these prayers. God, what are you doing in this person's life, and how can I be a blessing to them? This is, you know, comes from the Great Commission. This idea of being fishers of men, Jesus fully fleshes it out later in this Great Commission. In Matthew 28, this is after he's been crucified and raised from the dead, he tells his followers this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We're called to go. And and some translations kind of get a little closer to what Jesus has in mind in this. It's more like as you go, as you're going, who do you see around you? It's not fictional people that are in the future. It's who is around you. And as you're going, look for ways that you can be making disciples, that you can be sharing and showing the love of Jesus. And through that mindset, through that mindset of being fishers of people and of making disciples, we become present to those around us. That's the second movement. We're present to God in prayer, but then we become present to those around us. As you go... What relationships do you already have? How can you build deeper connections? How can you listen and learn what's going on in their lives, present to the the, the joys and celebrations and also the, the sorrows and the sufferings in people's lives? What if all we do is just pray and be present with people around us and just ask good questions? That right there would open up so many doors to see God's healing work being done. And so there's a couple of ways to do this. Uh, The first question I would ask is, you know, start with three people. Start with three people that are already a part of your life, that as you're going, you can be praying for what God is doing. You can write that down. Who are my three? Who are my three people? But then uh, we've got a handout for you. I left it on the printer. Sorry about that. We got a handout for you that we'll make sure that we have on the way out. Um, In fact, uh, if somebody can go get that on the printer in this copy room over here, that'd be great. Uh, And we'll share this with you in the weekly email as well. And this is called relational mapping. And this is just taking stock of where you are in in the places that you're at, the the, the places that you find yourself in your day-to-day, week-to-week rhythms. You're there in the center, and, and who are the people you've connected with that you can be a blessing to? Who are the people that God is putting on your heart as you're praying through these things? And then just start every day, over and over again, praying for these people that God has put in your life. Start with, who are my three? Or if you're just a next-level homework achiever, do the relational map and really flesh this out. See who God is calling you to be praying for. When we are present to God in prayer, and we're present to the, the, the relational realities and needs of people in our lives then we become present to what God is doing in our context. We discern what God is up to in a place, and we're able to to partner with him. We see that somebody is going through grief. We grieve with them. We cry with them. We pray with them. We see that somebody has got a a promotion at work that they're really excited about. We celebrate with them. We see that somebody doesn't know uh, what to do with their kids. They're at a loss for words. We, We just Offer to pray for them. God is at work in all of these ways, not just in the the good stuff, but in the broken stuff too. He's at work to bring healing. I'm gonna skip ahead because I wanna share this this little passage here. Um, As we talk about what this looks like, think of the two dugs from this morning saying, God has clearly called me to this place, the skate park and to the public schools. And so for, that, for, for, for Doug Ingebrigtsen, that's, that's going into that environment as often as possible. Opening up our eyes through prayer walks. Who's there? Getting connected, asking questions, praying, caring. For, for Doug and Cindy Chan, that's been in their neighborhood. Walking, prayer walking. By name, each house they pass. God, who are you calling us to? We're going to continue to give steps about what it means to be a missionary, but this is also ultimately about Commitment. To become fishers of people is to cast a wide net to believe that God can bring in uh, people that we never thought possible. That he can do that which is impossible. But one thing I do know about fishing is that to to be a good to get to get a good catch you kind of need a lure, right? And t- today let me start with a most basic lure that we can have if we want to draw people into Jesus. Don't be a jerk. Don't treat people like garbage and then tell them Jesus loves you. That's the bare minimum, okay? That's the basement floor. But but what this means to have a lure, what this means to be a fisher of people is to start by being a person that when you walk into a room, you bring the peace of Christ with you. You bring the peace of Christ with you. And so maybe that's the first thing you need to pray about is how do I bring the peace of Christ with me to this place? How do I lay all my own anxieties down? Not that we're going to cure ourselves of every anxiety, but how do I not burden other people with that so that I can bring the peace of Christ? Point to the one who can take all of those things that we're worried about, that we're afraid of. How can I be a person of kindness and the fruit of the Spirit that we talked about in week one? Let's move beyond just not being jerks and say, how can I bring with me the peace and presence of Christ to these places that God is calling me? The kind of person that people want to know more about who you are and why you're that way. People see you and they say, that person is a person of humility in a world full of narcissism and, and ego and trying to stand out. That person walks humbly and securely in the world. Maybe that's the first prayer. One more verse. Actually, I got more than one more verse. Uh, this verse is the, the, the way I want to kind of frame this for us to take some of that mystique off of the missionary thing. This is Acts chapter 1. This is after Jesus has, has uh, resurrected. This is kind of part two of his commissioning to his people. He said to them, It is not for you to know the dates, uh, the times or dates the Father has set you by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He starts with Jerusalem. Some of you are going to stay. Yeah, I'm going to send some to the ends of the earth, but some of you are going to stay. And that's for most of us. Most of us have been called to stay in a place. And for whatever reason, my family, we're a few thousand miles away from where we're from because that's God's call in our life, but most of us are called to stay and be his witnesses to be, to extend the presence of Jesus as we've experienced in our own lives to help other people experience it and theirs. We commit to joining him in this place, embodied, participating. Just like Jesus came into our world, into our boat, he's calling us into this mission to be fishers of people, to be present, to believe enough that if we are obedient to Jesus, miracles will happen. this goes back to to um, this this question we asked in week one. What is a disciple? What is a disciple? And and the the fun part about this is there's a a handful of things that are a disciple. But the first thing, the first foremost thing is it's it's someone who has a supreme commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Our priority is, Jesus is our priority number one and nothing comes a close second. Nothing comes a close second. Justo Gonzalez wrote this about this passage. These three fishermen leave everything, their boats, their nets, their catch, their families in order to follow Jesus. In this sense, the passage calls to renunciation. We often do not realize that these three leave everything and what they would have had at the height of their career. Their trust and obedience have led them to an unimaginable catch. The gospel of prosperity has come true because they believed they prospered. But such prosperity is short-lived because they believe. Because their success is a sign of God's power. They abandon their prosperity and their success. They do not take their prosperity as a sign of divine uh, intervention and leave it at that. Rather, their unexpected prosperity itself is a sign that as Peter declares, they are sinners and they need a different life. All of that to say, they just had the biggest catch of their career. They're about to make their biggest payday of their career. And they said, what Jesus has is better than any of that. This is what Jesus meant in Matthew 16, 24. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will find it. And he's not just talking about physical life and death. This word life was also translated soul. It meant your whole being. You're willing to give yourself completely over to Jesus and his calling in your life. So what does that mean? What does that mean to, to lose our lives so we might find our lives? It means we, we we see this call to be ordinary missionaries right where God has called us. Where has God called you? You're probably already there you're probably already right where he's called you, to the people and places that are a part of your everyday life so that as you go, you can make disciples. And so the question that I want to ask as we close today is, can you take a simple leap of faith? It's not hard to understand, but it's difficult to do. God is probably not calling you to leave your boats, your nets. He's not calling you necessarily to leave your job, your school, or your family, or whatever. He's not likely calling you, maybe he is, but not likely calling you to that. But he is asking you to see your job, your school, your hobbies, your family, your neighborhood differently. That Jesus isn't some tag-along that comes with you and is just a nice part of your life in addition to all of these things. Instead, he he is the very purpose that you find yourself in these places. To be present, to hear his voice, to be present, to build relationships, to be present to the life-changing work that he is doing. When we participate in this, we truly experience life. Do you want to find true life? Whatever life you're trying to carve out for yourself, Jesus says, go ahead and lose that. My way is better. The new life that you'll experience, as new life pops up all around you, it's so much better. I want to close with a quote from from N.T. Wright on these same passages. I'm going to invite the band to come up. They're going to lead us in worship. But this is N.T. Wright's kind of conclusion of, of this passage in Luke 5. Jesus doesn't want to leave anybody out. His call to Peter and the others, that they should now go help him in catching people, came precisely in order that the good news would go out wider and wider, reaching as many as possible. Ultimately, there are no bystanders in the kingdom of God. We are reading in Luke's Gospel today because Jesus kept his promise to Peter, D- despite Peter's initial reluctance and subsequent failures. When Jesus calls, he, he certainly does demand everything, but only because he has already given everything himself, and he has plans in store for us and the world that we have never we never would have dreamed of. He has plans. In store for us and the world that we would never have dreamed of. This is true life to experience Jesus and the healing and reconciliation and forgiveness that He wants to bring to the world around us. He has given everything for us, and the questions we ask ourselves as we meditate on all of this is do I believe that true life is found in Jesus? Am I willing to surrender my plans, my hopes, and my dreams because I believe his plan is better? Am I willing to believe that he can use me to help heal, restore, and bring hope to the places and people in my life? We're going to talk more about what that might look like. We're going to give you some practical next steps in the next couple of weeks. Benji and I are going to share, uh, Benji Craig and I are going to share next week about looking for those people who are kind of the key players in this, in, in the world, these people of peace. We'll describe that more. And Then the next week, we're going to talk about what does it actually mean to bless those in your life. Will Walker will be sharing that message with us. We're going to talk about how to do this. Today is this. It's just asking ourselves the question, again, do we really believe what the scriptures tell us are true? And are we willing to take steps of faith? It's not, a, we don't necessarily know what to do next, maybe. But the question is, are you willing to do what's next? Are you willing to step out in faith as Jesus calls us into this new way of life. Let's pray. God, thank you so much. Thank you so much that even as we're talking about this somewhat theoretically and we're talking about these, these big themes of fishing for people and the Great Commission, God, thank you for real-life examples this morning from, from two dugs that uh, take your word seriously. Thank you that we see that you're at work around us in these ways. God, thank you that as we feel helpless and lost with all that's going on in the world and all the ways that the world promises to to (laughs) bring hope and meaning and fails every time, you, Lord, bring hope and meaning into our lives. You give us a vision forward for healing and reconciliation in our homes and in our neighborhoods and in our schools our workplaces. Help us believe, Lord. Help us to believe that your way is better than our way, that your path leads to true life. Give us boldness to step out in faith, we pray in Jesus' name.